Hello, my friends. Welcome to Passion and Potential. I'm Aristasia, your host, and I will help you find your passions in life and embrace your full potential. So for today's episode, I have a very, very special guest, my good friend, Catherine. Catherine's an absolute ball of energy. She's a driven free spirit living in New York City, and she just seriously radiates confidence in life. Um, but today we're going to get a little bit deep and we're going to talk about some of her life experiences, her battles with mental health and finding therapy, and her overall overall journey of how she got to be who she is today. So, Catherine, go ahead and introduce yourself. Just give a general idea of who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about. Go for it. All right. So, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm truly honored. Uh, my name is Catherine. As you stated, I do live in New York City, but I was born and raised in Ohio, where I met you and fell in love with you, obviously. Um, <laughs> my my passion lies with animals, specifically my dog, Lola. Um, and I work in sales. And I would say um, with sales, my passion's helping others, honestly. Yeah, just people too. You just love people. I love people. I mean, I like animals more, but. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I, mean, I know animals win that, that battle, but. Definitely animals the most. But okay. So ever since I've known you, all right. So just a little bit of backstory of me and Catherine, she, before I went full-time with photography, I know that's hard to imagine. Um, <laughs> I worked in an office, a tiny little office in marketing and Catherine got hired to work with me in there. I was the only person in marketing. So I was just really happy to have another human with me. But then Catherine joined and I fell in love. And it was magical friendship from the day she entered. And then update, she left me two weeks later. (laughs) Good thanks. I'm never going to live it down. actually. (laughs) So she did leave because um, one she found way better for herself, which is something I do want to talk about today is your career changes um, and how you always find better for yourself. One, but two, she just had to get out of that toxic environment. (laughs) (laughs) But that being said, we've been best friends ever since. So it's funny how life works and how even just meeting someone for two weeks, here we are, what, nine years later. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know we were talking about abandonment issues today, but that's fine. Well, they always (laughs) come out with me. You know that. (laughs) Girl, I got him strong and you, and you did not help the case. <laughs> and I just want to state, I stayed for a month. Um, okay, so I give you an extra two weeks. I think I did beg you to stay those two weeks. <laughs> I was like, please don't leave me, please. <laughs> so that's another topic for another time because <laughs> there's some baggage to unpack there. But, but yeah, so Always. Catherine worked with me for just a short period of time and we've been best friends ever since. And she has such a unique story. Um, just your life story, the way that you go and you chase after what you want in life, even just to start with like you moving to New York city and there's just so much there. So I would love if you would kind of first and foremost, just kind of share your journey of like why you wanted to end up in New York city and how you got there. Yeah. I mean, so I was raised in Cleveland, but I was born on Staten Island. My parents are born and raised in uh, New York City as well. So I grew up in a New York household, but that was my end all goal in my life is I wanted to move uh, back to New York and really build a life there. And it didn't really ever seem attainable, um, especially, you know, there's so many times in my career, I doubted myself and, you know, having such strong roots in Ohio is really tough to ever think about leaving. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I would say, you know, it, it was kind of a long road. Uh, you know, I went to college. I went to college in Ohio, and then I got my first job in Ohio, uh, which is where I moved to Cincinnati from Cleveland. I was there for three years, but what honestly kind of pushed me out the door was uh, my boyfriend, who I'm still with now. He moved to he moved back to Marietta actually for a job, which and I was like, in, yes, yes, sorry, Marietta, Ohio. And so we were long distance. And during that time, I was like, well, why am I still in Cincinnati? You know, not not alone, but alone in the sense that my partner is no longer here. And I was like, I think I got to go to New York. And, you know, Sean right away was like, he goes, I think you have to do it. And this is the time to do it. So, you know, he was kind of pushing me out the door, too. Uh, so within, I would say, two or three months, I started interviewing. I literally had no money. And I was like calling off of work all the time for these in-person interviews, flying back and forth. Um, and then I finally landed a job. I moved and a week before I moved, I had no idea where I was going to live. I lay packed up my Mazda three with anything I could fit and my dog. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. And hopefully like find someone on like gypsy housing. And, you know, luckily like my godmother lives here, but you know, she lives in a small one bedroom. I was like, if anything, I'll end up on the couch and, um, go from there. Uh, but luckily my cousin reached out, um, who I hadn't actually seen in like 13 years. And she was like, Hey, if you need a place to crash, um, come stay with me and your dog can come. So literally, oh. Oh, oh, I ended up going there a day before I started my job. I ended up living there for like over a year. So she's, you know, she's been the biggest blessing in this entire thing. I really couldn't have done this move without her. Um, so then I actually started a job in New York. It was by no means my dream job. It paid like 40K, which New York is like 20K in Ohio. So I was truly like digging like quarters out of my car, like trying to make ends meet. Oh my gosh. There were, there were times I was like having Sean Venmo me for dog food because I couldn't even afford like uh, dog food for Lola. Um, but then I actually had interviewed for another job and like two weeks, again, leaving a job two weeks in, I got offered <laughs> another position um, at L'Oreal and I ended up taking it and staying there for four years where I really built my career um, in sales and just account management. Um, but that ended up not being where I wanted to stay. Um, I just had, you know, bigger dreams and uh cosmetics was definitely not where my passion lies I love fashion but makeup is not really my thing so then I um you know I had an opportunity and I left L'Oreal and I actually had about five months off and I like took that time I was already in therapy but took that time to really better find myself and work on myself um, mentally and physically and then from there I ended up <laughs> I'm with the company I'm with now and I've been with them for almost seven months and it's been like night and day from where I was um you know a few years back so it's kind of crazy to reflect on you know where my dream started and where I've ended up but that was a long-winded way of saying I'm extremely happy and uh New York's been a dream so I have a couple of things I want to ask about that one of them being I yeah. I'm not not yet but I do want to talk about like your overall um thought process through all of that and like how it impacted your mental health. But before mm -hmm. I get there, I want, I want to ask, cause I think there's a lot of people who feel this, this need to be stuck in life. Like I hear it all the time. They're like, I wish I could do this, but um, I'm stuck 
here. So I'm stuck in Ohio. I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck in this Mm -hmm. relationship. And one thing that I've always really admired about you is that you, you never allow yourself to be fully stuck. Like that's one thing I've always noticed about you is that you don't settle for that. And so even if it means like, I'm going to switch a job after two weeks, two months, whatever it is, and if I'm not happy or if there's a better opportunity out there, you know, you kind of seize it and take it. So I wanted to ask like, where do you, what do you think that stems from? Because I don't know that that's in a lot of people. And is that something that you just had to build up like confidence in yourself or just trust the process? Like, how did that start? And what do you think it comes from? (laughs) You know, it's funny. The first thing that came to my head is like, shit will buff out. And I swear that's why I say to myself all the time. What is it? Shit will buff out. Like, (laughs) it'll buff out. Like, you know, it's it's all going to work out. And I think life has a funny way of working out. Um, Obviously, it's not like I don't think things through. But, you know, having anxiety, anxiety, you tip, you know, you're always worried about the things you can't control. Right. So when I'm making these decisions, it's like, okay, I'm anxious about my job. Well, you have control over what you do. You have control over where you live majority of the time. Um, so a lot of times when I make these decisions, it's like, I have full reign to make this change. So why not go for it? Why settle for a job I don't want to be in? Why settle for a place I don't feel fulfills me anymore? And that's, you know, gets to a point, I feel like I was always at a breaking point, like, okay, either I go through my day to day, being miserable with things that are fully in my control. And that's kind of um, the high I would ride. I think that is like a real like epiphany that you have to have in order to make those difficult changes. It's like, it's almost kind of like you have to hit that rock bottom to realize mm-hmm. like, you don't realize how unhappy you are until you really sit back and reflect on it. You're like, oh, I can change this. I have to change this. Yeah. And you you remember, do you remember a time when like, let's say that you like had that rock bottom, like obviously with each job you're recognizing I'm not happy and there's better, but do you, do you remember a certain time where it was like, this is what launched this overall mindset in you? Oh yeah. In when I was in Cincinnati, I was in a job and it was no, it was not reflection of the company or my boss. Not, 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 it didn't have to do with my employer. It was really just about what I was doing. And I remember, honestly, I was like drinking a ton. I was, I'd gained like 30 pounds in six months and I was like in a cubicle. And I just remember this one day I was just like, I truly can't do this anymore. And I kind of just took a minute to stop and think about what I wanted and where I was. And I wasn't happy. And I was like, well, what can I do to make myself happy? And from there, it was like little by little, just like applying for jobs, starting to network to see if, you know, I can even find a job in New York before moving there, because that's kind of the hardest part is finding a job here before you move. Um, So I don't, I feel like each time it was just, I was like in my body, looking at my life being like, I just hate this. Like, this is awful. I'm not happy with myself in any, any mirror I look at, not physically, but mentally too. I'm from there. I was just like, the changes have to happen. Yeah, that's so I feel like I get to, <laughs> yeah, it's, li- yeah, it's just like a breaking point and the way I was living my life, I just wasn't happy with. Okay. So, so obviously that was the moment that was like the epiphany of like, I need better. And, and so do you think that because of that, now you kind of have this perspective of any time you're in a job where it's like, this isn't aligned with what I want, where you kind of think, all right, you know what? Nope. Go just, just go find better. Or do you think you still have that like lingering anxiety of, well, I should stay. Um, I think I, 
100% went through that um, in my previous job was that I was like, should I just be thankful I have a job in mm -hmm. New York? Should I just be thankful I work for like one of the biggest companies in the world? Um, which made probably made me stay a little longer than I thought, but I had some like amazing bosses that really kept me there. So I think I didn't hit rock bottom. It was more of a self-reflection and the fact that I wanted more of myself to show in my career. And I didn't feel that was happening in the job I was at. Um, so I think, I mean, again, it's like through therapy, I just started learning more about myself and what I wanted. So I think there were times I might've been there longer than I cared to, but I don't think. But it wasn't that like deep I, depression, like it was in Cincinnati. No, no, no. I think it was, uh, I think it was necessary. Uh, so you actually kind of, you kind of commented on my next point. So I was going to ask, um, so you're very in, like, you're very self-aware. You've done a lot of mental health work. You've done a lot of therapy work. Do you mm -hmm. think that because in, you've done all this therapy and this counseling, and do you think that that's one of the reasons why you can really pick up on if you're not happy in a situation and, and that's why you don't allow yourself to get stuck? Because I think some people who don't maybe experience all that like deep self-work maybe they don't even realize the thing that is making them unhappy, the situation that is, they're just, I'm, I'm just not fulfilled. Oh, 100%. I yeah. think being self-aware is extremely difficult for some people. And to be honest on this end, it's sometimes hard to be so aware. Cause I'm like, oh, man, I know what I, <laughs> I know what I'm doing and I'm still not fixing it. Guys, so, me not, uh, I'm like, can you just shut up? And I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's such like a blessing and a curse. At like lay off. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you've had quite the journey through therapy and mental health. And it's funny because I didn't start going to therapy until like three years ago, but I hands mm -hmm. down remember like, cause it was, it seemed so out of scope for me. It didn't seem normal. And I want to talk to you about that, but I literally remember you walking in to the office when we worked together and you said something about your therapist. And I was just like, <laughs> he's a therapist. Like, how do you do that? Like, I was just so shocked that it was so open because, you know, therapy, I think is like kind of becoming a little bit less of this awkward topic with people. I don't know why they treat it that way, but I just remember like back then that many years ago, it wasn't like, you, you talk about going to therapy. I was like, what? <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah I didn't like there's a stigma. So it's such an interesting, I'm glad that people are getting more open about it. But um, what, what did that, so when did you first start therapy? Let's start there. <laughs> oh man. So I actually started therapy for the first time, my going into my sophomore year of college and oh, okay so you weren't a child yeah. or anything so that's actually still like adulthood yes yeah right. I mean I looking back um from the trauma and the abuse I went through I 100% should have been in therapy as a kid um I think I you know I would have dealt with things a lot better if I, I absolutely gone. assumed that you were in therapy since you were a kid that's so no Okay. So no, what made I, you realize that you wanted to go to therapy as like an adult? That's like a very interesting, um, that's a very interesting time to do it. And I think that's what a lot of people are kind of curious about. Well, speaking of rock bottom, um, <laughs> I, I, so I was, favorite. Uh, literally, <laughs> so wait, maybe this was, yeah, this was after. So so I actually went into therapy. I think it was going into my junior year. Okay. Um, so sophomore year, this was like the summer. Um, 
Some are going to sophomore year of college. I had just gotten dumped by like my first boyfriend who you swear is like the love of your life and you're going to marry him. And Always. I was like the first time like facing that type of rejection after like a four-year relationship. And then my dog died like two weeks later. And then I thought I wasn't gonna be able to go back to Marietta because it was such an expensive school. So like my summer, I was just like, could not control any of my feelings basically. And I went back uh, to college and I was kind of unhinged, if you will. And, you know, I ended up like failing two classes. It was, I was at truly my darkest time. And then finally I just like called, I remember calling my mom and I was like, mom, I like failed two classes. Um, and she's like, why do you think that is? I'm like, I'm so miserable. Like I'm sad all the time. I'm crying all the time. And especially like dealing with boys and rejection on top of like the physical sexual abuse I went to, like, it was just bringing up all these emotions in me that I hadn't truly even begin to think about since I was, you know, like 10 years old. So, um, I called my mom and she was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's like get you into therapy. Um, I think that's a great idea. And, um, she actually ended up finding my therapist for me. So God bless her for that. And I really started to work through things. Um, and then I was with that therapist for about a year and I saw some counselors that while I was in college, but I wouldn't say I took it seriously. Like I didn't do the deep work that you really mm. need to do during that time. And then that's within like the last four years, I've really have like taken therapy by the balls and been like, I'm just going in because Hey, it's expensive. Yes, <laughs> like, yes, yes. <laughs> like if I'm paying for it, I'm going to get the most out of it. And I truly love seeing the person I've become since being in therapy. So what would you say some of those those differences are. And, uh, and also have you noticed a difference in your mental health when you stop going versus when you pick it back up? I don't know how long those stretches were for you, but I'm just curious. Yeah. So a hundred percent, I would say my depression was there. My anxiety was there. And I, as you know, I'm like very bubbly. So I'm crazy good at hiding it even mm-hmm. like from myself at times. So, uh, <laughs> um, I would say the longest I went without, it was probably that that was probably like five or six years, honestly. And then, um, sorry, what was the second half of your question? So I was saying like, did you, do you know, like, did you notice a big difference in your, um, mental health when you were going versus when you weren't? Oh yeah. I mean, huge differences. And I guess some of the key things I would notice is that a, I was, I felt like really, um, destructive in the way I would speak to people. Like, I don't want to sound like this person, but I am a Scorpio and I can be so mean (laughs) sometimes. Like I can say one thing and it makes the person hate themselves for the rest of their life. And I I didn't like, (laughs) I didn't like being like that. And you know, when people are like that, it's coming from my own judgmental and like, it's a reflection, whatever you're projecting with yourself. So I didn't like some of the ways I would speak to people at times. Um, You know, I'd be like snappy. I was really irritable. So the biggest changes I've seen is being able to process my emotions Mm -hmm. and not being so quick to judge or to snap, honestly. It's so interesting um, to be in like this state of mind now versus when you weren't maybe this like self-aware. Cause I, I'll even think back to like arguments I had or like fights I had. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was projecting. Like, and then no. I'm like, oh no, like I was the asshole. <laughs> well, you know how it is now. It's what our, like our therapists always say, 
you're in therapy for the people that are in therapy. And now every time someone like is mad or um, having a reaction, I'm like, oh, you're projecting. Like you should work. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, oh, that's a projection. Would you, would you yeah. like to journal through it? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, that's not a me thing. That's definitely a you thing. <laughs> okay. So college was, was the start of your therapy journey, but you really yeah. didn't feel like you took it serious until you said about four years ago. Yeah. And what are yeah. you now? 31 now? Yeah. 31. Okay. So late twenties, I swear that is like when everyone really starts to be like, "Uh Oh, I need to find myself. Yeah. <laughs> I swear. It's like, like it's you, go through your, you go through your early twenties and you're just so like clueless and your, your priorities are whack. And, and I don't, you're just like living it up and fun. And then you approach your thirties and you're like, Oh no, I have depression. I have anxiety. I have daddy issues. I have, and you're yeah. like, I gotta fix this. I have all the issues. I think it's time to and work I, on And it. I joke when I say issues, like I always say I have issues, but all we, you know, I'm obviously don't think anyone is like a definition of the things they went through, but, um, you know, any issue quote issue you have is absolutely healable, but I think it is kind of funny how we all wait a little bit later on in life to recognize them. Yeah. And like, I think your mental health, when you ignore it for so long, it's going to come bite you in the ass at some point. So I was to a point, my anxiety was so debilitating. I swear I was on a flight to new Orleans and I was like, I'm going to make them emergency land this plane. Cause I cannot be on this plane for two more seconds. Cause I was having such an intense panic attack. And I was just like, I can't live like this anymore. Um, and honestly on that trip, it was like me and a few of my girlfriends from college and we all had our own separate meltdowns. Like each night was a different meltdown of oh my like gosh. <laughs> just insane things being said. Uh, uh, we had so much projecting and just we all, I'm pretty sure entered therapy following that trip. Good um, for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. Kudos to us. But I mean, I think your body just starts to give up when they're like, if you're not going to listen to your mental, like your yeah. physical is going to start to go too. It was so interesting because I didn't know that panic attacks were like an anxiety thing, like, or that they were <laughs> like deep rooted until I started therapy. And I was like, yeah, it's like weird. My landlord yelled at me and then I couldn't breathe for 20 minutes and I was hyperventilating and I cried all day. And my therapist was like, that was a panic attack and your landlord triggered you. And I was like, what? I was like, wait, is that not normal? She's like, it means that there's something there we need to unpack. Yes. But we (laughs) think it's normal. And I would do that crap all the time. Like I was like, I was always just giant ball of needed to work through some things person. <laughs> oh, always, literally every single time. So when you picked it back up four years ago, um, was there like a meltdown, a panic attack? Was there something that really pushed you into it? Or did you just kind of, well, well you said New Orleans, was that it? Yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh, 100%. you weren't even kidding. Wow. Yeah. Like that was, I, <sighs> it was truly like a come to Jesus moment in my, within my own body that I was like, it was the same thing. You know, I, I kind of faced even when I was moving to like New York where I was at my breaking point. I'm like that flight set me into a tizzy. Um, and like my aunt had just died like the week before. Um, and I was in a crazy bad headspace. And I'm like, even if I can't, you know, you know, even if I can't, um, get, my depression under control. I need to start working on my anxiety. Cause like living like that day in, day out, especially in New York, I'm around people all the time oh on, I'm on crap subways. Like I, I had to figure something out and it was just time. 
So I'm curious um, and feel free to, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but do you think that like your anxiety and your depression, like, is it something that stems from something very like deep that you had to unpack with a therapist or was it everyday life just being overwhelmed? Is it, does it run in the family? You know what I mean? It is definitely all associated with my trauma and my abuse. And I'd also say it runs in my family. I would say anxiety runs in my family. Um, But yeah, I wasn't really connected to those feelings for so long. Um, Like I just thought being sad in and out of every day with normal. I'm like, normal people think like this, right? Yeah. And then when you learn it's not, you're like, oh, okay. So I should probably try to fix this. I should probably work on that one. (laughs) But now I'm like going on year four and it's just insane that I kept thinking I was done. And then, you know, I'll, the one, you know, session you think you don't need, you end up crying for 45 minutes straight. And like, (laughs) and and you're like, okay, I'm not ready to graduate from therapy yet. I have a lot more work I need to do. I remember telling my therapist that she couldn't break up with me because I was like, Like, I think she, she said something along the lines of like, I, I feel like you've done, like you've healed so much and I feel like you're doing really well now. And I, I took that as like, you're good. You're graduated. And I was like, no, 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 uh-uh. you may not break up with me. I'm not done. <laughs> you are not leaving. <laughs> do not leave me. Oh God. Here we go again. <laughs> like, you can't do this to me. Like a batter now. I need to make my appointment. <laughs> You're like, actually, I'm going to online book you for tomorrow at two, but <laughs> for anyone um, who doesn't know me and Catherine personally, we have very dark humor. So <laughs> for us and other people are like, that's sad. I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> hey, all the best comedians have like the worst trauma. It's just how it goes. <laughs> it's, my therapist is always like, it's you're, you're doing it. I'm like doing what? And she's like, your weird laughing cope thing. <laughs> She'll say something like, she'll like repeat something I said that was like very dark. And then I just giggle and she's like, oh, you're laughing at me again. I'm like, what? No, (laughs) not me. (laughs) So I think that therapy can be, um, it can be really intimidating for people. And and I think also just focusing on your mental health can be very intimidating. I think sometimes people get caught up in one, this idea that if they recognize something about their mental health, they might find things they don't want to know, or they might Mm -hmm. feel this, this like title attached to it. Like, well, because I have anxiety, I am broken or because I, or I uncovered this memory, I suppressed, I am now that, you know what I mean? Um, And so I think that obviously you've been in therapy for a long time now, you obviously see the benefits of it and you see how much it can help and how you do not become those things, but, or become those quote labels. But what would you give for advice to somebody who wants to, who feels like maybe they want to go into therapy, but it just scares the crap out of them. Even just the idea of healing sometimes scares people. Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is like that you just have to forever live with anxiety and depression or mental illness. Like you don't have to just forever be in that mindset. Like there's so many tools out there. Um, but my second piece is advice wise. It's like, I, I think everyone should go to therapy, even if you didn't have an insane childhood. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone should go to therapy. Yeah. Um, but my biggest thing is like, you have to be so willing to be vulnerable 
and work at it. Like you can't just go in there and think you're just gonna, you know, bullshit through a session and just talk about your day to day. Like you have to be ready to put those guards down and it's really hard. So I think it's almost, you have to become one with yourself before entering therapy. So I think it's like, just start, just start somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, look for support somewhere. But even if you just get that initial conversation, like I'm on year four and the things we spoke about in the first year, definitely not the same of what we're speaking about now. Yeah. It takes time. The more you do it, the more you unpack, the more you uncover and, and also life happens and you change. Like that was four years ago. You're probably not even the same person. No, not, I mean, thank God, honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be the same person. I mean, you want to be able to change, but I think it's just start somewhere or even start asking questions, you know, like ask anyone, like just have the conversations, especially now. um, I always joke. I just feel like therapy, like having a therapist in New York is like a hobby, honestly. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like, just start asking, you know, even, and even now there's like, online therapist like you can text a therapist at this point so even if you're so uncomfortable being face-to-face you can only do an online session and you know start that way yeah yeah those virtual visits yeah and I think also people need to keep in mind that sometimes you're not gonna have like your soulmate of a therapist right away sometimes you do have to try (laughs) different ones (laughs) yes beyond um I think I've gotten crazy lucky um Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends have not been so lucky I don't know how, but, um, the two therapists I've been with the longest, they were my first try and somehow worked out, but I've had so many friends run through therapists and it's like trying on a pair of shoes. Like you got to keep trying until you find the right fit. And then when, and then when you find it, it all makes sense. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, this is home. Perfect. There it is. So I want to, um, kind of transition into back to your New York story. So you were sharing, obviously this chaos of a life change for you. (laughs) Um, so you're like borderline jobless, borderline homeless, (laughs) You're, you have no idea what the next six months is going to bring you, let alone years. Um, and you're a person who has anxiety. <laughs> Please just kind of share what your mental health looked like through that. If you had any coping mechanisms, if you had healthy or unhealthy ones. I'm just curious how someone who is um, has is such a focus on their mental health but also <laughs> struggles with anxiety ups and moves to New York city. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I was in such a happy place when I first moved. I mean, you're so distracted with like Mm -hmm. the change and, um, like between, I don't know, you're so focused on that change. And I was just trying to be like, all right, how am I going to, you know, pay rent next month Mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever I need to do. Um, but then I, you know, once the dust settles and like, okay, this is my home now. And then like, you know, day to day, anxieties are coming into play. I mean, it's probably why I barely made it a year before finding a therapist. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) like it was not long before it was time. So that makes a lot of sense. So there was a lot of anxiety involved with it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, there was definitely anxiety. It was a crazy situation I pushed myself into, but it was also exhilarating. And I think I was just so insanely proud of myself that I did it on my own. Um, You know, even being in a committed relationship, you know, I upped and left and was committed to a long distance relationship. I obviously just 
brought my dog. So that helped a ton. I was with her majority of the time and I had such a strong support group. I mean, you know, I talked to you all the time. I talked to my other friends, my family, like I had everyone supporting me to make that change just because everyone knew how important it was um, and how much it meant to me. So would you say that that is like a very clear difference in terms of your mental health of feeling anxious versus feeling depressed? Because depressed, you didn't feel depressed. You were still high on life. You just had me about what life was going to bring. Yeah, I would say anxiety was definitely riding my life. Um, My first, my early years in New York, uh, my depression, I think kind of took a backseat because my like nervous system was obsessed Mm -hmm. with being anxious, I feel like. And then I felt my depression honestly just coming in because I was working so heavily through my trauma, you know, like even reliving instances and having these really deep conversations, my therapy uh, or with my therapist, the depression is going to come. And it's, you know, it's very hard to talk and work through those emotions and those scenarios that I went through. So depression definitely creeps in. I have a pretty good handle on it now, but then, you know, even a few months ago, um, my uncle, who was like my best friend here, he passed away and I like saw him on hospice and then um, like in the hospital dying. And like that sent my depression, like just started all over again. Um, But you have to like be aware of it. And it's something I talk about weekly in therapy, because if you can't get those emotions out, I would have no idea how to begin like dealing with depression on top of grief. Like that's a whole different scenario. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, you know, what, what would some of your coping mechanisms be for that? And obviously talking is probably the number one. Uh, yeah. Talking, uh, I would say, I mean, honestly, by was drinking more than usual. Um, I, I typically don't like drink during the week and that was my like go-to to like chill out at night. Um, and that's, I, that's something I honestly talk about in therapy too. And I think that's where it's, you have to be so honest when you're talking to your therapist. Like, I'm like, I'm drinking more than I care to right now. Um, I want to cope in a healthy manner versus an unhealthy manner. And then I started running about, I was like a runner in high school and like, I was an athlete, but I like forget that. And I started running like two years ago and that helped my anxiety and my depression and just my overall health, just starting to get, you know, in a routine of working out again. Um, but I would say like the number one thing from that is just being like super self-aware of your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Always. A lot of people I'm are too really aware scared of those, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still scared of them. I know. I'm like, well, <laughs> there's some days where I'm like, I think I'll be a robot and not feel anything. Thank you. Oh, all the time. So, like- um, so to continue this kind of uh, New York City journey story of yours, one, like I was saying earlier, one thing I've noticed about you is like you chase after things. Um, but another thing that I've always admired about you is you have this like unapologeticness about yourself. Like it, it is, and maybe you don't even know you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I've like noticed it like since day one that we became friends is you have this like confidence in yourself. And I think that that probably translates over to making those risky decisions for life. Do you agree that you have that? Like, do you notice you have that? Yeah. I think you like, as a person, Hey, you just gotta love yourself. And I think there's a fine line between confidence and being cocky. Um, but I truly, when I make a decision, I'm a hundred percent 
behind that decision. Now I might go back and forth about a billion times leading up to the decision. But when I actually make a final decision, I 100% back it. And for me, like if you don't have confidence in yourself, and I think it's really hard for women to have confidence in themselves in general, especially with like the media. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, social it's just media. not rooted in us from the time we're born. You know what I mean? Like it's just no. And I would say I, you know, in Ohio, um, I had a very strong group of women friends and uh, family members. And then like you get to New York and I mean, I was alone here for quite a while, but every single chick you meet is such a badass. You're like, yeah, all right. You're sick. I want to do that too. Like, I would be like you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) It's funny because I was like, (laughs) I was thinking through like the intro of this episode and how I was going to introduce you. And I was like, the first thing that came to my mind was Catherine's this like fearless, confident woman. And, and honestly, I just want to be here when I grow up. Wait, but then can we just recap that today I look like Garth? So uh, <laughs> I just want everyone at home to envision um, me looking like I'm from Wayne's World today. So uh, was that very Scorpio of me to say that? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you have this like confidence in in yourself and in your decisions and you just understand how important that is. Have you always been confident or was that something that you just had to force to yourself. I know you said you had a very strong group of women, but it's just interesting that you are, because I've noticed a lot of people who do suffer from trauma um, and mental health issues, but especially trauma, they typically don't, they, they don't favor confidence in themselves. I've noticed. I would say it's kind of twofold for me. So I would say because of my trauma, Um, so basically with my trauma, I basically told my parents and never spoke about it again until I went to therapy. So that was like, you know, 15 years of repression before I like brought it up and I, yeah. So that is so unhealthy. (laughs) So unhealthy. Uh, I think how it felt for me is, you know, I was always told I wasn't a victim. I was stronger Mm -hmm. than everyone I met. Um, and people didn't mean I wasn't a victim. Like what I went through wasn't messed up, but it was just not you. Yeah. So I, I think I always was like, Oh, I'm so strong. I'm, um, I'm so strong for what I went through. And that's like what made me confident. But then honestly, I got like into therapy and I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, she was like, you need to stop downplaying what you went through. You were a victim. Um, you don't need to be strong about this. And like, it wasn't your fault. So it's, you, I think a lot of my confidence came from my strength, but I think I held on to my strength for so long. I downplayed and kind of diminished what I went through in my own head. So I've kind of been revisiting, you know, my inner child and um, being like, you know, feeling compassion for yourself. So I think my confidence stemmed from my strength mm-hmm. and then through therapy. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All those things where you're like, okay, well, at least I got that going for me. Yeah. <laughs> Like that were, I mean, it makes me a great saleswoman, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> that worked. So, well, what, do you have any advice that you would give for someone who maybe doesn't have that inherent like confidence in themselves and like the, every decision, like, like they almost have that like lack of empowerment in themselves. You know, they have imposter syndrome. They feel insecure. They, they walk in a room and the first thing that they think about themselves is something negative. Like what, what would you say, what is something they can do to help with that? And have you ever had to like reverse those thoughts in your own head to deal with that? 
um, go to therapy. Okay, um, <laughs> okay guys, the episode's <laughs> over. Go to therapy. <laughs> um, no, so go to therapy. And of course, I deal with like intrusive thoughts all the time. Like half the battle with mental illness is telling your head what is and isn't real. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like there's so many times it's like, oh, I look so ugly today. And it's I typically my follow up in my own head is like, why? Why would you think that? Why would you do that? Like, why would you talk about yourself like that? Would you talk about your friends like that? Mm-hmm. Like, or, or for me, would I talk about my dog like that? No, she's a perfect angel who's beautiful. So um, <laughs> I think my piece of advice is talk to yourself how you would a loved one. Yeah. Um, and always question, like, if you're thinking confidence wise, I'm not good enough. I'm not this, I'm not that. You got to get down to the why. Why are you thinking like that? Why are you, um, why do you have those feelings about yourself? Because it's going to be connected to something. And once you start digging deep is when you'll find confidence in yourself or find that motivation that you need to better yourself. It always comes from somewhere. Yeah. It's always come from the why. (laughs) I remember my therapist, when I told her, like I was struggling with like confidence in my like appearance, my body, she goes, I want you to go in front of a mirror and pretend you're your your younger self and and say kind things to her and I was like ew no I was like I'm not doing that and she's like see that right there that response you had probably has something to do with this and I was like mm. <laughs> about that like, okay <laughs> well so did you do it did you go in the mirror I talk did to comfortable but then but the interesting thing is once I did it I was able to think about that younger version of me, that child in me. And that Mm -hmm. brought back a lot of memories and suppressed things that I think really gave perspective as to why I was being so mean about my appearance and body. Like there's stuff that you just pack deep down that you don't even realize. And, and when I pictured that, like at first I was like the younger version of me grew up, it just seemed awkward. And then when I really sat with it and I like tried to do that exercise, it all kind of came back. And I was like, Oh, that stems from this. <laughs> like, and, it, and so that's what I, I think that's like the key here. Like we were saying earlier about like getting very like open with your emotions, but it's, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be awkward. But if you really dig deep, you can probably get to a lot of the root of a lot of the things that you're struggling with. Oh yeah. I mean, cause you can bullshit a therapist, honestly. Like if you just say all the right things, mm-hmm. you can probably, like, okay, you're good to go. But if you, once you're actually true and actually speaking to the things you want to work on, man, just changes your life. And I mean, it's just I, so interesting because if you think about it, if for just this example, if like I didn't go in there and really, really sit down with that awkward moment of thinking of me as a child in my body, mm-hmm. I probably never would understand that trigger and why I struggle with that. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. if I didn't sit with it, I would never understand it. But so many people a don't sit with it, but also probably don't even know that they need to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then I know for you and I, then like getting diagnosed with ADHD so late in your adult <laughs> life, you're like, Oh my God, just add another layer. I need to get through. Like this is I, ridiculous. <laughs> I just, it was like the most light bulb moment in my life, but also oh. the most, like, I felt like I was rolling down a hill at full speed because then <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, everything's a lie. Like, <laughs> like you're like I always thought I was just dumb at school. Apparently I was never dumb. Like nope. Nope. Not dumb. Like just ball, uh, but also very like irritating. I was almost like mad that I didn't know this about my own brain. <laughs> oh, 
I remember being livid because all my teachers would like bring this up to my parents, but like with our generation, they didn't want to like over-medicate. So like, I totally get my parents like reasoning, but then I look back, I'm like, you know, how hard school was for me. I looked like an idiot all the time. (laughs) What idiot. (laughs) It's so true though. Like I was so bad at school and I just was like, man, the cards are stacked against me. I'm dumb. (laughs) Oh my God. I would have so many tutors. I'm like, mom, this is not making a difference. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I was like, hey, if they keep saying this to me, I'm not going to remember because I don't care. No. Like, I hate this class. <laughs> I just, for work, I just say that now, like my boss, I'm like, can you repeat that three times in a row? Cause I definitely wasn't listening the first two, but the third time. I'll get it. Love the honesty though. I love that because I mean, got to set expectations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> what am I going to do? Pretend I heard, like, I don't know what he asked of me. So. It's so funny yeah. too when you catch your like ADHD moments. I'm like, oh, like, so like Michael will be talking to me and then I will accidentally, and I truly mean this. It is an accident. I will start doing something and physically like disassociate from the conversation. And I'm not meaning to be rude. My brain got distracted by the shoes hanging on the door. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I just, ugh. Wait, that was, there was the one question you were asking me. I got halfway through. I go, what was the question? <laughs> Cause I literally forgot what you Heather, do you know me. how difficult it is to run a podcast and ask questions to people when you forget your own question? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what am I talking about? I was like, I saw it and I panicked. I went, I don't know. It was this. I don't even, I still don't know if it was that. I literally blacked out. I was like, oh, I saw a butterfly. Sorry. One solitary snowflake. (laughs) Whoopsies. So I totally get it. Um, (laughs) So yeah, depression, anxiety, ADHD. (laughs) Yo, 30s rule. But I think that like the thing to really focus on here is that you did not at any given point, you've never surrendered to any of your mental illness. You have, you, you may have gone through the rock bottoms and you had the panic attacks and you even had the deep depression and you had the insane life changes where nothing, you knew nothing about what was going to happen next. Like, but you never surrendered to this idea of, I am just an anxious person. So this is my life and I'll never be something because of it. Yeah. Like people using their trauma response as, you know, fact when they're like, this is just the way I am. No, Mm -hmm. it's not. It's not just the way you are. You can do the work. So you're not reacting in the same way to the same situations. Right. And, and like we were saying earlier, sometimes even that, that like sense of healing or, Mm -hmm. or becoming something different is scary to people. Cause even, even mental illness, it's like, if that's all you've known is I'm, I am quote an anxious person, the idea of becoming something else, but also recognizing the habit changes you'll have to do the steps you'll have to do the, the dirty work of thinking of things you don't want to think about. Yeah. All that goes into it. And I think people, it scares them. I mean, it's scary, right? Doing work and therapy is not easy. I mean, I am, I remember when I first started, I don't know about if you went through this too. I was so drained after every session. It was to a point where Sean was like, are you okay? Do you want to keep doing this? And it was, I was like, yes, I'm just like working through such insane shit that I am absolutely exhausted, exhausted. Like I would just sleep. Like I would end a session, but like I need a nap. Right. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> yes, like, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, I remember feeling exhausted sometimes, but I honestly, I think a lot of my response to therapy was 
almost like liberation. And I think it's because mm-hmm. for the first time ever in my life, I was being validated for my own feelings. Because yeah. that was not something that I had in my life. And it's especially not something I had in my childhood. So I would almost be like liberated and like, oh my gosh, there's hope. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, like I got that off my chest. I, wow, I feel better. Like, I think I can work through that. But I get what you mean about the exhausted thing. Like I would definitely like cry for an hour straight and then be like, oh my. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. <laughs> well, I was going to say, speaking of life-changing stuff, you you really murdered changing your life for to better yourself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it's interesting. It. It's so interesting about the different ways that you and I handled it though, because I, so like, I, I will say, I think both of us, kind of did our rock bottom things and then chose, okay, we need better for our life. We need better for our mental health, for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is just because I know my own thoughts, but when I went through all of that, I don't think I did it in a confident way. <laughs> I think I did it in the most like emotionally unstable, broken. <laughs> well, no, I didn't say I was emotionally stable. Uh-huh. I think. <laughs> But I do remember even calling you sometimes like yeah. and you would just give me such this pep talk of like, you are such a badass woman. Like you got this, like everything you're doing in your life is exactly what you should be like. And it was just really helpful to even have like a conversation where someone reassured me, even though you shouldn't have to have reassurance from people. It helped a lot to even have someone like you are capable of it. You know what I mean? Like you're good. You yeah. got this girl. And I remember like every time we talk, I'd be like, okay, I didn't make a mistake. I'm doing the right <laughs> thing. It's fine. I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> you were doing, you were, I mean, I was like, talk about hard decisions. Like you were the queen of it. Like, and I don't think you can do that in a mentally stable capacity. You, you yeah. know, like that's. Well, and you, that's another thing too, is I, I think I just went from one extreme to the other. I went from quote, mentally stable, AKA, I just disassociated and felt nothing. Yes. <laughs> to then like exactly. rock bottom of like sobbing every day and like not seeing humans. Cause I was so depressed. So like yes. there was never a point in time where I like somewhat handled it in the middle. It was just, it was, I'm perfectly fine in everything Sandy <laughs> to them. Like I haven't seen people or eaten in 10 days. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. But now look at the growth you've had. I, it's insane. So I was on, um, my friend Jake's podcast. And he asked me, what do you consider like the biggest growth in you? And I kid you not, my exact words were, oh, I'm feeling things now. Yeah. <laughs> like I, like it, I, if I, if something happens, I don't suppress it and turn my head the other way. I actually feel, and I work through everything now. And what a difference. Yeah. I remember the first time you cried to me on the phone. I'm like, yes, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. It was probably it. like pretty alarming when all my friends were like, why aren't you crying? And I was like, because I'm fine. <laughs> I'm like, you're not. not. I'm like, so... Oh my God. If I were to ever say that to you, please slap me and tell me to cry. Like, no, <laughs> I'm like, so there's probably some things you should work through. Like that is not strength to me, my own personal version of strength anymore. Cause I know how much like I could have healed sooner. Had I just allowed myself to feel the things and work through them instead of pretending they didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's no timeline, you know, you don't I know mean, what you don't know. And that's another, no. thing. I think your brain goes into fight or flight and it goes into protection. So mm-hmm. if it's like, Hey, if you feel right now, you really could mentally spiral. So you're, I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> oh yeah. Even, uh, I had therapy last week and she was like, all right, I want to w- revisit our, like, 2022 goals basically saying we have more things we need to like work through and she was how do you feel about that I go I feel tired already and 
I like, don't like, I want to, but I don't want to like, even like years in, I'm like, I'm sorry. We're still going. She's like, yeah, like I'll have like certain triggers. She goes, you shouldn't still be triggered by this stuff all the time. And I'm like, oh, fine. Fine, It'll happen. (laughs) But it's like not easy to choose that every single week or month. I, I actually have like on my, um, podcast like list of like upcoming recordings I actually have an entire episode that's about like healing is icky (laughs) oh my god like it doesn't always feel good and sometimes before you get better and etc but it's so true like sometimes therapy is gonna be hard but I think you really have to think about what you want for your life and like you said do, do am I just gonna sit back and choose to be so depressed and anxious and hate my job Mm-hmm. Where am I going to put in the work to maybe make something better knowing long-term there's hope for happiness? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, it, honestly, if it comes down to self-love, like, don't you yeah. want to love yourself? Cause if that's the case, then you want to work on your mental as well as your physical. Mm, that's so good. Why do people <laughs> not do that? Why, so do that? Why do we not love ourselves or want better? <laughs> I don't know. Why? I don't get it. Cause I do it too. I've done it my whole life. Like why? I always think it's being a woman, but I think it's not just, you know, it doesn't just affect women, but women are yeah. just held to a whole different standard yeah, of yeah. holding it together their whole lives. Like it, yeah, I was it's just time looking, we're speaking up an episode about like, she said that, um, her goal is to no longer say something about like strength, but like to be fierce, like, like the yes. Hulk. like she was like, yeah, because that is okay to be, to be fierce and to like go after something with aggression, obviously not in a harmful way, but like, if you want something, go after it the same way that a man would be labeled, um, impressive for that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's how it always is. Except I was, my brother told me I was the Hulk last week. Cause I threw out my back attempting to lift one weight. So like, I don't know if I'll be the Hulk, but I'll definitely be fierce. <laughs> We'll just go with fierce. Let's not out. Okay. <laughs> it's the start of the year. We don't need to set expectations we can't meet. <laughs> this, this, is, this is 31, literally. This is 31. <laughs> Therapy and throwing your back. Out. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, 31, speaking of this year, well, I think we'll kind of like end the episode just on some overall, like, what are you planning for 31? And what are you planning for this year? What are you working on? And what do you hope for yourself and all your ambitions? <laughs> Oh, you know, this is really funny because I just started this new job, like whatever, seven, eight months ago. And my boss asked me, where do you want to be in five years? And oh, I, God, refused to, I refused to answer. Don't, I'm, don't ask me that. I panic when someone asks me that. I'm like, five oh. minutes. <laughs> I go, I just figured out this career move. Like I am not, I'm like, I live in the present. Thank you. Like I'm not answering the Namaste. five year question. <laughs> um, I think this year um, I'm really focused, you know, pending the pandemic and everything I were Sean and I are trying to travel as much as possible. And I would say my focus has been really on our relationship. Um, that's like kind of, I don't know. I, something I've heavily just been focusing on is Sean and what we mean to each other. And I kind of want to take that into 2022 because it's hard at year 10 to keep that going yeah. sometimes. Nine years they've been dating. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I think he's been my focus. And then, I mean, building my career, I guess, but you know, I really find, I find way more enjoyment mm-hmm. outside of my career. Like I, I find happiness everywhere, not just my work. So yeah, you, you're very much so like you love life. 
Like, yes. Whether it be getting coffee, going to yoga, hanging out, yeah. with, hanging with your dog. Like you just love the little and big things about life. Yeah. I can't just work for the weekend, man. I, I need like throughout the day, I need stuff that little makes joys. me happy. <laughs> what about you? Well, um, obviously I want to keep growing the podcast. I like realigned some some priorities in my little lost puppy self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like most of my stuff is very, very career based because you know I'm obsessed with my career. But also I think passion um, and potential, baby. Passion and potential. So I'm very <laughs> all in all, like I really want to just keep growing this and not not give up on it. I think it's yeah. really at the beginning to focus on a, a goal heavily. And then if you lose a little bit of momentum, you can quickly fizzle out. And I think the difference between this and my photography career is I was so young when I started it. So like I had that like rock bottomness almost. It was like, I have to do this. Otherwise I won't have a career. I won't have money. Whereas the podcast is, it's not something that if I don't do it, my career will fail, right? Like failure right. is not the, the fear here. So I've, I just want to be super diligent and and like think positively about this growing instead of thinking maybe it will. Like I want to be like, no, you're not giving up. Every month you will be releasing six episodes, et cetera. <laughs> That's a lot too, man. I mean, it you is, are just. It is. And, and I think that um, last year I had a little bit of mindset issues and I just kind of got in my head and I was like, well, what's the point? what if no one listens? And, and that's why this year, like my main focus is to just be all in, like act as if, if I failed this, I would fail at life. <laughs> that's yeah. very and kind of negative sounding, but I really think that's probably what gave me so much extra drive when I launched the photography business. So I think I need to have that same drive and oomph in me in regards to this. So, I mean, you're an absolute rock star. I know I tell you that all the time, but it's so true. You've been telling me that for like 10 years. (laughs) I believe her every time. (laughs) It's so true. And obviously I love you to death and I'm just so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, You're absolutely incredible. I thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing through your mental health. I know it's not something everyone talks about, but you are the absolute perfect person too. So we appreciate that. Thank you for being so damaged. I'm just kidding. You're so welcome. I can't, this is such good content to tell my therapist. I'm going to cut that part out. (laughs) (laughs) I never said that. (laughs) Wow. What a good conversation. I seriously adore her. I hope you took as much from that conversation as I did. Um, She's just so inspiring and so empowering. She's a wonderful person to have in life. So if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or tag me on Instagram and let me know you listened. My handle is at Aristasia, A-R-A-S-T-A-S-I-A. If you're on Apple, leave me a review. That helps me grow the podcast. And obviously, I'm just trying to grow it so much. And feel free to join our Facebook group, Passion and Potential. Um, Lots of good people in there, lots of motivation and good stuff. So thank you for listening and till next time, my friends.